Okay, he's on. Let's see. Hello. 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 Sorry. Uh, Hi. Before hello. we get into everything, uh, I need I need to do something very very embarrassing for me. I need to ask you how to pronounce your your stage name. My stage name is uh Haug. H O U Haug. Like like Haugang lah. Ah. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's easy to remember. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't know whether you've heard any of the other episodes or yeah. of this. Yeah. Okay. Heard a couple. Yeah. The Rene one. I don't know that. Oh, nice. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. it'll be it'll be it'll be along those lines. I think the Rene one is also fueled by our or my my increasing uh, uh liquid beverage as the <laughs> as the conversation went on. <laughs> which you know, wasn't that in the morning? Which, Yep, I was having one of those dates. All right, I was having one of those dates. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, so we'll go into that, uh, and then we'll just talk. I mean, obviously, the the the, the highlight will be talking about the, your your new uh, release, the al- mm, debut the album. album, right? Mm. Yes. Because yeah, of, you, of course, of course. Yeah. So, because this episode will probably come out in about four to six weeks' time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. Then I'll talk about your musical journey. How you got started into music? Why why you decide to do this? Uh, uh, yeah, and and yeah. Yeah, like why why why? <laughs> why 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 music? <laughs> so come on, be a lawyer, be a doctor. Why no, okay, and then, <laughs> why music in yeah. Singapore? Are you out of your mind anyway? Yeah. Anyway, stuff like that, right? Okay, and then uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, Kev. Um, I'll, I'll slate us in and then I'll cue in. I'll cue in the intro. Okay. Um, ready. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Iron City Rock, the very first podcast about Singapore's pop music scene, telling you things you never knew you needed to know until now. Yeah. No, really. And today, uh, coming to you live from very uh, three different uh, <laughs> undisclosed locations in Singapore. <laughs> not not live lah. That's a fib. No live, but live by recorded. Live recorded. By recorded. Yeah, live by recorded. Recorded yeah. live. Recorded live from three different <laughs> locations in Singapore. <laughs> um, yeah. Today we're gonna talk to talk to an artist um, who I just found out six minutes ago. I have to pronounce the name. <laughs> it was very different from what I had imagined in my in my mind. Um, this this artist is of course Haug. Um, why are we talking to this person? Well, because he has me? just put out. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you. Well, what I okay. okay, no, I I have a little story, but it's gonna take a long time, right? Because like actually, what happened was, and you know, last week we were having our gig, right? But actually, yeah. I was invited to assess. Right, as uh, as a, right, invited by the NEC to assess this uh, album launch by this new this artist whom I'm not that familiar with called Hulk. That's actually how it started. Then I kind of checked you out and like, hey, this is pretty good. Oh, then right. I then I told <laughs> then I told our friend here, hey, we must definitely get this guy on board. He's really cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, it couldn't. We couldn't make. Oh, we couldn't make your gig. Right, because we had our own gig. But yeah. Right. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, was we... it was great to find out this way, like, You know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's put our hands together um, and let's talk to Hulk. Yay! Yay! Welcome to the show. Whoopee, whoopee. Thank you so much for having me, guys. How how you been? I've been 
quite quite uh busy finishing up the album the last few months, but I'm glad that's over because uh <laughs> it was quite daunting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as well as the show, I wanted to um, you know, make make the experience a bit more forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're recording this uh, just a couple of days after after Hulk show, mm. and uh, it's only been like what? How many days? What? Two weeks? Less than two weeks since since the album dropped. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. The album is called the Biting Tempo. Correct. And um, yeah, well, maybe mm. maybe that'll be a good Great place title. to to kick off this conversation. You know, like like, like let's talk about the, the the album, like the Biting Tempo. Firstly, what does the biting tempo mean? <laughs> okay, um, so I I found some cool words. No, no it isn't actually. Right. <laughs> um, so the the theme around the album is mostly about how um, time catalyzes a lot of uh, the struggles I go through. I think at this point, most listeners would know that like. Every every collection of songs I release, they're sort of like stories of mine. And uh, they center itself around different themes. The EP before this was more on, um, it's called the oscillation scene, but it deals a lot more with the insecurities of wanting to be an artist, as I'm sure everyone in this room uh, <laughs> understand <laughs> yes the oscillation scene because you know like it's always up and down yes and it's right. a scene so um for the biting tempo it's about how time can can really uh, influence our decision making our lifestyle our circumstances all explored through the different songs but um more focused on the negative <laughs> aspects of of what time does so mm. Think of it as a tempo, right? That's mm. biting. So there's that that hint of aggression, that hint mm-hmm. of anxiety. So mm. the biting tempo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank, okay. you. Thank you. I mean, I, I like the idea, I mean, of the fact of the fact that this album, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you when you get albums, it comes across as just like uh, simply a, as a collection of songs. Mm. Yeah. But I like I like the fact that this seems to be quite well uh, thought out. I mean you know, and, and as the tracks go from like when you kick off with like uh, um, your, your opening track, right? Um, Jimbo, right? Where's yes. my two hundred? <laughs> where's my two hundred bucks? <laughs> okay, yes. I need to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. what, what was that all about? Why, why, why kick off with that one? <laughs> so, I guess to to be fair to you guys, I should give you a bit more context into uh, the specific circumstance behind right. the album. So, yes, I mentioned that like how time affects us, right? But what really inspired these stories or rather these songs were uh, my stint in uh, over the last few years before COVID in Australia, just trying to immerse myself uh, with, with oh. the music community over there. So I wasn't okay. there on a, on a student or a working visa. I sort of like illegally did a couple of uh, tourist visa <laughs> stints before I found something that made a bit more sense in the form of the working holiday visa, but because this was all self-funded, a lot of, um, you know, I had to work a lot of Uber before that, a lot of Grab, and wow. yeah, I shared a vehicle with with, uh, 
this Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yes, because when once you get into silly situations like that where the money is funneled through one person mm. or mm. two people sharing a car, you need to be with someone with a lot of integrity. But unfortunately, this Jimbo does not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I thought it. I thought the album starting with that song made a lot of sense both thematically and sonically because thematically it was the Uber trips that started it all, right? So right. Uh, driving driving these things and um, in a way it, it, it sets the tone of like, okay, now I'm going to go on this journey. But I also felt like sonically like the fact that it's almost like a I would call it like a a, 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 a lousy version of a Ennio Morricone kind of uh, <laughs> intro of like, you know, you got this cowboy entering the town. It, mm, it yeah. also sets the tone of like, oh, okay, this journey shall now begin. Mm, and, right. and we've got this elusive character. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's Jimbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thematically, I guess because you had that whole central theme already in, in mind, but it's nice the way the way it actually moves from track to track as well. Yes, um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it was. I mean, I understand it's intentional, but was it very difficult to actually make it such? I mean, you know, because it sounds on, on some tracks, especially those that when you collaborate with other people, mm. you know, even like Seven Eight Home or. Um, what's the other one? Excuse me, what's the time, right? right. So yeah. even things like as, as it goes, those are tracks that sit next to each other. But even then, so it seems that to me, like, it feels like, you know, there's always this, I want to try out as many different things as I can. But right. because I'm theming this, uh, <laughs> I have a special theme for this. I, I'm trying to rein everything in as well. Right. Um, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for me to just say, yes, yes, all of this was intentional. <laughs> and I can take all the credit, right? But... Um, <laughs> The reality is that because I wrote this, I, I didn't, as much as I would have loved to, I didn't write this album all one shot and I didn't mix and master it all one shot because mm. I, I um, had a couple of singles that needed to come out earlier. So mm. at that point, some of the collaborators weren't really done with their parts and I, I had a very finicky uh, tape machine that I used to mix the whole album. So... It was up and down, so I really couldn't finish the whole album at one point. So the way I I eventually decided to organize the tracks was um, in the sense of an emotional shift within like, like, for example, you know, when I start the album, I'm full of naivety and denial with just being a bit more accepting of some of the circumstances. Like, for example, I don't have enough time to do what I want with a visa I had. So like mm. uh, Seven in Home, for example, is something like that. And like, excuse me, also talks about like, you know, I'm doing all this and everything's life is good. But in doing, in, you know, moving to a literal new city, you're going to sacrifice a couple of relationships and stuff like that. So I decided to organize the songs where like, you know, it, it, it shifts from naivety to acceptance. So the later few songs 
uh, might be right. a bit more gloomier in tone, but more realistic because mm. uh, at that at that point, the 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 emotion makes sense that way. So I'm glad that you guys actually find that it feels flowy that way because mm. um, I only did it with context to. Um, the emotions, not exactly the sound flowing, except for some songs where it goes into interlude. Yeah, for right, those interlude right. ones, that one is definitely intentional. And then uh, got a cheeky little one. I'll just say right now that like uh, my my I was so concerned about the failing tape machine on one song that I was so focused on fixing the mix that I forgot that I left like a five second tail on the master. <laughs> so like <laughs> I had to make sure that like the next track just started like that. So at least like yeah. for the listener it was balanced, you know? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. go figure what song that is. I'm not gonna go any further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually, yeah. But I mean maybe you could talk a bit about, about your gig as well because Mm. I, I'm listening to this, listening to this uh, album, right? It's very, very, it's it's so produced. Yes. And and I'm just wondering how how you translate all these like you know obviously beats and stuff like that you know all done right. um, on your on your machines. How do you translate that to a, a live vibe? You know, and and was it easy for you? Because some people I know they say they they've mentioned before that you know sometimes it's difficult to translate what you've produced at home, let's say in a home studio and all that. Right, and then bring right. it out live because it's such a different vibe, you know, with the crowd yeah. or with, even on stage, even. So was it easy for you? And how, how do you how do you cope with that kind of thing? Um, for me, because I started out in music with a band, so I I fronted oh. a band like somewhere less than a decade ago, and um, I guess when we wrote, I always wrote with um, the mindset of who's gonna do what and. Mm. When we translate right. that live, we knew what our limitations would be. But um, when I started Hauk, uh, once everyone got married, you know, standard. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when I started Hauk, because of, 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 of circumstance, uh, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Now, this is just me and keyboards, right? So, there's a lot of modern conveniences in like Ableton and stuff like that that... Mm. I can make my laptop 10 people, you know? So yeah. like, so that's how the writing philosophy started out. And when I performed it live, when I went, you know, after I saved up, went to Australia and when I did open mics and I was just like trying to ask whoever that attended these open mics or whatever and ask them what they felt about the performance. They felt that it was too rigid because um, it was just me pressing buttons. So in... <laughs> To, to really take it out of context, instead of seeing someone perform, you're seeing someone operate a machine or, or like someone, <laughs> like, you know, behind a desk. And it, yeah. it just wasn't as engaging. And they found that a bit of a shame because they were intrigued by the songs. So um, from there, and that's when I became a bit more conscious that the next few songs I wrote um, would have a bit more of that mindset. I used to have with the band where it needs to be able to be translated live. Mm. And I did that. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, bass, guitar, instead of like, just all synths. And then like, got a drum sample, I chop up. And then, right. from that point, when I performed it live, because I still focused on some of the melodies that I didn't care about. I, I didn't approach bass as a bassist. I didn't approach drums as a drummer. That like, okay. when I played live, 
my the at this point I just got a couple of friends to play with me. I said, look, I think now we can play this live. You know, it's just not me and Kibota anymore. And then they were like, yeah, but your beats are so stale, your bass are so stale, and the and the songs wow. weren't designed for that. So this all went into my head. And then when 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 when, when the EP finally I got like a collection of songs for the EP, I was like, okay, this is gonna be a bit more tighter. And then they found the groove and they were appreciative of it. And then when I wrote this album, I was like. You know what? I'll push everyone to the limit. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure no one complains that the bass is still. No one complains that the drums is still. And like, in fact, like I had the drummer come up to me and say, like, "I can't play this live." <laughs> I was like, That's <laughs> uh, "Achievement unlocked." Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Next level. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it slowly evolved, I guess. And um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> becomes very curious about you and about your background and how you started I, I think this is probably a good point to start talking about it so how so mm. maybe you can talk to us about your journey because I listened to that and thinking wow this is very accomplished and it's really well put together so I just want to know like you know how did you get started in music and you know and you said you just mentioned you were in a band before so maybe you yeah. can just tell us a bit about all these things okay um, so when I, you know, in the late 2000s, there was a lot of these like video games that were, you know, they, they sold the plastic guitars that. Right, <laughs> right. Yes, yes. yes. So um, <laughs> I, I, bought, I bought one of the guitar heroes. And I, at that point in time, I was always very, uh, I immersed myself into a lot of like um, music that wasn't just contemporary at that point. I, I think I. I really enjoyed from my, I don't know how, maybe it's my parents, like cassettes or my oldest sister who's like easily more than a decade older than me. So I already had immersed myself as a listener to like music from from easily the 70s up to like the 2000s at that point. And by the time when video games sort of gave us a very cheap way to experience that as a pseudo performer, mm. I, I, I embraced it because like the games had the songs that were already fun to me. So it's just a matter of like mastering the, the controls. And eventually I, I got really good with the, the plastic controller and I decided, okay, good. I'm good on guitar. Let's play the real guitar. And then I got, <laughs> got slapped in the face because the only thing I could translate was the sense of rhythm that I had built, but nothing about the actual playing, you know? So, okay. so yeah. uh, at least I kept in time. So, <laughs> and then... Immediately when I got the first guitar, which was a really shoddy lefty because I'm a lefty and yeah. uh, nobody likes to bring in left-handed guitars that aren't over $2,000 here. So anyway, <laughs> separate thing. But uh, I asked uh, a good class, a, a really good friend of mine, uh, I asked him like, look, you have a guitar at home, right? Can we just like play songs together? Mm. And eventually we, we roped in a third friend and a fourth friend and we just became a friend that played in a band. I'm sure most bands started out that mm, way. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. And we did yep. that and we, we wanted to, um, you know, take ourselves a bit more seriously. We, 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 we fiddled with a couple of genres and once like a few people, it became a bit of a revolving door of friends at some point till we found like a really tight ship. 
And eventually when we did, we decided we'd like, let's try to sound a bit like The Cure or like something <laughs> okay. of that okay. era, you That's know? Like, yeah, so like, I had to be uh, my own fake little version of Ian Curtis from, from Joy Division because that's the phase we were all trying right. to immerse mm. ourselves in. And, and we okay. played that kind of music. But I think when you, pl- tra- you, when you play like, you know, early 80s post-punk, at that point in time also, everyone's like, what was this? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, uh, we were like a band that I was so fascinated because, you know, in that era as well where our influences uh, stemmed from, they were bands that were getting into a world of synthesizers when these mm. bands were mm. around, you know? Like, they yep. were still very, like, raw. So, yep. as a frontman, I think what I did differently at that point in time was I had, like, three synthesizers all, like, full of knobs rather than, you know, preset and patched, you know? So, I, we really wanted to bring that era uh, into a contemporary uh, mm. situation. And that's what we did. And I think we realized that apart from being lousy musicians, we were <laughs> big fans of music. I think when someone were to see our setup live, they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. This is something that's, that looks fun. Uh, and mm. I think we did the bare minimum to support that with the actual music. So <laughs> uh, I think that's when I realized, okay, so all, all, all that, that childhood collection of like being just a music fan as well as like up till this point, I think it's, strong enough for me to use that as my fuel to take my music further because obviously at that point in time my band was like you know starting to commit themselves to other things mm-hmm. so um if i'm not you know let's say talented with regards to like um, music theory or whatnot i can at least like depend on my fandom of music you know so <laughs> like i think having that access to that sort of like uh encyclopedia I mean, it's not like an actual, it's, like, it's just like, to me, in my mind, it is, you know? So yeah. like, and like, I think that's something I can rely on to at least try and bring something fresh to the table. You know, fresh does not mean that it needs to be like something that never happened before, but why don't you just put two ingredients that already existed that no one bothered to put together? Mm. You know, so like, mm. that's what I tried to do the moment I started music, making music on my own. So... And that's how Hulk eventually formed. And that was the sonic inspiration for the project. Yeah, so... Makes sense. Yeah, so I abandoned uh, the, the, the broodiness of post-punk and, and you know, the, the likes of Robert Smith. But I did not take away the tone of the music. I mean, tonally, mm. sonically speaking, it is a lot more upbeat with Hulk. But in terms of the lyrical essence, it mm. comes from the same spirit, mm. you know? So yeah, it's it's hidden in the dance. <laughs> you know? So what is the you can just need to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit. So how do you begin to kind of get into all the electronics and stuff? True. That that is a very good point. I've I managed to miss out. <laughs> so um when so I, I got my shitty my, my terrible lefty guitar, right? So yeah. and when I played with the band and I got like proper guitarists, I was like at this point, okay, maybe we don't need three guitars. And I think we were like waiting for a jamming studio to open up and someone else was in the room. I just heard like really weird sounds coming out from me and I, 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 not, I, I bumped my drummer. I was like, what was that? What's that sound? He's like, I think it was slightly a synthesizer. And mm. I was, 
I knew what a synthesizer was, and but I just didn't know it was that machine all along <laughs> that did all the songs I all the sounds <clears throat> I love. So yeah. I knew the sounds it did. I just didn't make the attachment for myself, you know. So at that point, I was like, you know what? Screw this guitar. I'm done. Let me see what I can get in terms of like a first uh, oh, yeah. keyboard. And I think for school, I was in poly at the time, so uh, we were on this like five week exchange trip to 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 China. And uh, the whole time I was there, I was like on their like forums looking for anyone selling like a cheap old synthesizer. <laughs> and that's where I got my first one. Nice. So, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I bought a micro cork and uh, someone sold it for 200 bucks. And then um, mm. from there, I was like, yes, this is the instrument, but not quite there. I think the one I want is probably a, a lot more better one. <laughs> you know, so like. <laughs> Like, because the microcore is a very good, like, gateway keyboard. But, like, I don't think yeah. it was, you know, the one that would be the one. So, from that point on, I was like, you know, oh, you know, everything I love, use this kind of keyboard, that kind of keyboards. And I decided to, like, invest myself into finding those ones as I was continuing on my journey with that band and eventually alone. And once, like, on this, like, parallel path of, like, keyboard acquisition versus, like, musical journey. Um, it, it, it got to a point where, like, okay, I somehow managed to trick this person into selling me a profit for really cheap. Mm. Uh, and now I am writing solo music. So mm. let's do two plus two, you know? Mm. So right. essentially the first few songs were made on that. And then I realized, like, I think there is always a strong fascination of um, 80s revival, but I feel like in the quest to immerse myself uh, into a more uh, unique, I wouldn't say unique, but like more like to, to, to not, to rise, again, to rise above the noise, right? Mm. I think the one form of revival that not a lot of people have been embracing, at least locally, is uh, 90s and probably like, probably early 2000s revival. So then I decided, okay, now I'm more conscious. Let the, the keyboard acquisition serve the music. And then I just decided with this album, mm. I'm going to seek out keyboards that come from the mid-90s where it's all glassy and digital and like, but it's still early day digital where like there is still a quirk to it, you know? So, right. Um, and, you know, I don't really have a lot of space. So, I found out that, that, you know, at this point in time, you had like rack mounts and like really... Yeah. And no one likes, because it's not revived. So they're not expensive. You know, you find them for real cheap. So like the Roland JV and stuff like that. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, they are sprinkled a lot on the album. And when I wrote one song with Don Aaron and we, we, we said like, okay, Department of Love, we are heavily inspired by mm. For Fears. Even the single cover is a ripoff of songs from the big chair. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, say. <laughs> but um, at some point, I realized like on the 11th hour of the mix, I was like, okay, this sounds too 80s. What if I put in some 90s into it? So like, you know, there's this like really cheap sounding acoustic guitar preset on the JV that was used by uh, TLC for No Scrubs. And uh Right, I decided right. yes. to do that sound instead. So mm. it, it's got a bit more of a forward sound. And if you're curious enough, you'll find the nuances and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Floating on your roster, lock me out. Please. 
That's what I think really uh, one of the things that impressed me because like, like I listened to a lot of like locally produced electronic music right. and it well, without be being too critical, sometimes it sounds very samey. Like all the synths sound the same, yeah. all the drum machines sound the same. But when I heard yours, I'm like, oh, okay, right? Because I hear mm. breath, I hear a wide range of influences. And you know, because you know, I've been listening to music for so long. Right. So that's like, you know, it's got to take something like that to really get me listening, you see. So I can hear, okay, this guy, yeah, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. That means I'm actually tapping onto that mental encyclopedia mm. of yes. mine. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. That's it has served you well. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 where in the so how so where does how come in, right? How how what's the inspiration and where do you kind of decide? Okay, this is gonna be my vehicle and this is what I'm gonna do. What, what, yeah, how? and why that name, as well. Okay, so um, okay, where does okay? I'll I'll tackle the name first. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> So for the name, right, I, at that point in time, when I decided to start this project, when the band decided, like, bye-bye, um, mm. I, I wanted to be... Like, I don't come from a background of, of easy money. I think uh, at that point in time where I started to do how my family was living in a rental flat in mm. Haogang. Um, and I was going to ORD in a year. And mm. I... It was, you know, that really pivotal, that pivotal time where like all the regulars at work were like, oh, what are you going to do next? You know, what, what uni are you going to? I was like, come down. I just barely managed to cover my poly school fees. <laughs> and right now, uh, I need to figure out what's next. And when I decided I'm going to do music, mm. I needed it to be a calculated decision as well. So mm. what am I going to do? Drive Uber, save up a couple of months. What's the... A, what's a kind of convenience I can afford in terms of like finding a, a market that would be more receptive. So Melbourne makes right. sense. And, mm, you know, yes. even, oh, if, okay. even if things were to not work out, you know, the, the dollar to dollar ratio versus like just coming back to family in an emergency would be a lot more convenient versus the West. So um, things like that. And I was at that point like, oh, is this really the decision I want to make? Um, I was living at Haogang, so to some people who don't know any better, they might think like I'm like some like Haogang ambassador, but no, I think <laughs> uh, the, the point that's, that's, is... That's funny. <laughs> the, 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 the point is like, I think when I find myself in, in, in the suburbs of Melbourne at an open mic and I ask myself, what am I here for? Mm. I, I go back to the name. The name represents the state of mind and the the determination that represents what I'm here for. So it's it's almost like a self-serving reminder mm. of mm. what I wanted this, what I what this is for for me, what this is for for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, right. yeah it's sort of like my my motivation of sorts. So and I think that's where the irony of me no longer living there would seem less ironic. Because, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Uh, so, where does the how come in? Uh, I would say it is the philosophy I uphold with regards to the writing is to always be 
um, you know, I, I come from a band and when, when I was with the band, I had to exercise a lot of restraint. I, you know, I was the singer with a key, with four keyboards at some point. I remember one gig organizer sent an wow. email, no spaceships on stage, <laughs> which was, uh, which was an nice. attack. It was just an attack at me. I know it for a fact. So I realized like I wasn't fair to the band, you know, like they have roles that I seem to be, you know, shadowing. And when I realized that, I decided that if I'm going to do a solo project, let me try and be a bit more indulgent, um, but not overly so because then it serves nothing. But at the same time, the philosophy of being able to not need to hold back would also mean that I can derive my influences from wherever I feel makes sense for me. So one day, I want to sound pseudo-psychedelic rock. Sure. One day, I want to sound a bit more 90s electronic. Sure. So there's that kind of like, I'm not a dictator to myself. I just give it a shot and see what works out. And that's all fun and games that there's, there's discipline behind it for sure. But it's all fun and games in terms of what I allow myself to, to use. I, I, I go into a sandbox and I don't stick with one tool, you know? But where I really hold a lot of like discipline would be that the writing should always be true to being storytelling. Yeah. It should always be cohesive in that sense. Every release that I've done as how every song exists within a greater story be it my first compilation of demos my first ep and then now this first album so that is a balance i always try to strike let myself have fun with the instrumentation but don't get too ridiculous but the stories should always be cohesive in that sense and if possible if the one can serve the other then that's great like jimbo where like uh where it's about starting a journey literally but also bringing forward a sound that sounds like you know there's this new guy in town you know there's this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> almost yeah. like uh, who's who's this uh, this new eastwood type personality <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what i love about it is what it really appeals to me is the whole kind of very personal nature of your music and that's what is always attracted me in music like my biggest inspiration and hero is always john lennon and right. because john lennon is always personal about his music it's always about him first right. and and i always love artists who do have that same vibe you definitely do you know the thing that really made me fall in love with the beatles was um one of those plastic guitar games <laughs> Yes, so there was um, it really I mean at that point in time like I said growing up with my parents and all that I have already immersed myself to a fair bit of the Beatles and mm. when I played the game it just in a way it just confirmed my love for it and mm. I always wanted to be Lennon-esque but I always found my I always found to be my a, a lot more like Paul McCartney because like <laughs> like I think, I mean, I'm no, to be clear, I'm nowhere near either of them in terms of <laughs> But like in terms of what I resonate with, I really like to be more like Lennon. And because he comes with not just that really strong personal um, state of mind, but he was always pushing, be it like George Martin or whoever, he would always be pushing him in the studio to, especially once they stopped touring and just focused. Oh, yeah. 
you know, once they started just being in the studio, yeah. and he was always yeah. pushing the technology and just creating wild stuff. The way I see it, like I look, I look forward to today, and I find bands that sound they their whole discography sounds like one album of the Beatles. That's just how <laughs> profound, yes, like people like John Lennon could be because there are bands that literally make a career out of like three or four songs of your, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we won't name them voices. <laughs> the, you know, you you said you went to to uh, Australia, Melbourne, right? Yeah. You know, to 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 see if you could spark off that the the music, uh, your your music journey as well. I mean, maybe you could talk a bit about that. Like, what what was that like? Because I've never gone abroad to try to do music there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you've done that and. and Having having done that, having seen what it's like over there, maybe you could share a little bit about how that shaped your entire uh, being as to who you are right now and the music that you're putting out now. What you're literally asking is the conversation I had with myself on um, Seven in Home. Do I do I stay here and really not know what I'm gonna get, or do I just you know sail this boat into the void? You don't know if there'll be land on the other side. But at this point in time, because of other circumstances of just living and, you know, with family, with everything, this boat will sink. It's not like I would infinitely be here. So I was pressured by the fact that I could not dilly-dally. I had a family that is just getting by. And if I were to be really bold with my own decision, it needed to have some sort of direction. So at least I can give them that sense of comfort. So it was not easy, but going into a random land and, you know, I, I really had no, like, no bearings of, of literally, like, I had to figure it out. Every, and, and the fact that, remember, I started with the tourist visa, which meant that literally every day I'd be burning money. There's no way to recoup that. There's right, no way right. to, like... That's so right, right. there was a literal, like, reminder that like all those nights driving over 12 hours a day 7 days a week for a few months ideally I'd not like to do that anymore so <laughs> make make your time here count you know so yeah. um, it was pressure from a couple of places but I wouldn't say it was like bad pressure I think mm-hmm. it just kept me disciplined and that's not to say I immediately walked in the first bar and they were like oh it's how <laughs> you know like the- <laughs> Well, that's not that's not how it went down. So like uh, the first few times, literally the first ever time I performed there was when I I, I started with open mics because I didn't know anyone in the city, right? So I just found out before I left Singapore, like, oh, what are some open mics? And the first one I went to was in not even in the suburbs, but beyond it, it was like almost industrial slash like open feels already and like giant electrical pylons you know i was like okay there was this was a two-hour uh public transport journey from the suburb i was oh living God, in wow and like everyone over there had like leather jacket presumably rode a harley davidson and like <laughs> and they were like okay everyone who's taking the stage is um you know guitar music adjacent and here i was with ableton and my laptop no guitar at that point because right, I right. haven't had the feedback, right? Like I mentioned earlier, only yeah. after. And then and I went on stage and like, okay, cool. This this random guy, not local at all, is going to do some beats. And everyone over there looked like vaguely pissed off already. And uh, 
and the best thing happened. My 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 audio interface died. So I did. Oh not. no! Oh boy! <laughs> uh, if if I were to be one of those types that say like, oh, it's a sign or it's what that was the worst sign one could get. <laughs> you know, you go two hours to. Uh, to metal land and yeah, yeah. And you, you screw up on stage. So uh, I went back that night and I was like, okay, this needs to be, you know, a bit more smarter. And I needed to not just jump into the dark. I, I needed to jump in the dark, but at the same time, there needed to be some calculated decision. So what I did was I also like um, found music, like, you know, I had to ask myself the question, I came here, why did I choose here? And then from that point, I, asked, I, I realized, okay, some of my inspirations live in the city. Where do these people perform? What are the kind of people right. that, that go and see these people? I, I can't just like, Melbourne's cool and I'm here, but I have no actually like, like no real point to be there. So in like immersing myself more with the gigging community, and then I was able to make really uh, good friends that in a way nudged me a bit into making more better decisions for myself. And eventually these friendships flourished to become really, really great because years on when I got the full-on visa and my housemate decided to kick me out, I'll defend myself by saying it really wasn't my fault. Uh, but when they did, these people were the ones that took me in. And if, you know, if these seeds weren't planted correctly earlier on, then God knows what would have happened at that point. You know, so... It was like really a couple of years, so like there was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I think I think it's interesting for for people to to hear about these kind of things as well. Um, only because, like I said, there there are bands who play here, and they only know how to, they only know the Singapore scene. Right. You know, they haven't they haven't gone to Malaysia or you know anywhere outside of Singapore, and I believe that while while Singapore is trying its best, I guess, to create a, a you know, a, a music scene per se, it's kind of it's kind of samey in a way. After a while, right. you know, there's a, you you play at Bay Beats and then after that, where where do you go from there? That um, there's no other way to go except out. You got to yeah. get out there, and then yeah. you know, and that's the only way you can you can you can hone your tops. I mean, you mentioned the Beatles. The Beatles did that. They they ran off to Hamburg. To Hamburg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they cut their teeth in Hamburg. That's why they yeah. came back being that kind of wow. They left there as nobodies, and nobody rated them back home, right? But yeah. then when they came back, all of a sudden they were like the biggest thing. No, it's true. It's true. Um, and it's funny also because uh, when back when I had the band, right, and yeah. we somehow got called up to play a gig in JB. But in the total DIY spirit that we all possess, uh, we decided to take one seventy up to JB. And we carried okay. our amps. We carried, okay. There were six of us at this point. So we carried our right. amps, carried everything. And then we went up. And we finally got to the place. And then um, when we got there, there were already instruments on the stage. So we figured, okay, it's two X for the night. And then we just put our stuff down. And immediately the organizer comes up. Like, oh, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're the band. Right. We got called up here. They're like, no, 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 no. We already got a band from KL. Like, who are you guys even? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh shit. God. <laughs> oh, no. My band was immediately panicking. I was like, okay, 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 let me sort this out. Then I immediately found my friend who was there. She was just like one of the vendors at this, right. this thing. So I asked her like, hey, what's up? You know, and like she went and checked with the uh, organizer and it was really like 
uh, a big mess. So we couldn't uh, play, and we were not even in our country. I mean, it's JB lah. I won't like make it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like, but the fact that we took a bus that made it more like yes. yeah. So you know, we said it. You know, forget it. There's no point fighting this. And then like, <laughs> and then like the the and at this point I told the man like, look, you just get a couple of drinks, yeah. and we all take the bus back. You know, and as we are doing it, and the, you know, the someone like stabbed the knife into our back when the the KL band took the stage and like, this is not Glastonbury, but we'll play for you guys. And we're oh, like, dear. oh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to <laughs> shut up, man. You know? <laughs> and we took the bus back. And when we got uh, to Woodlands, and when we got to Woodlands, uh, six of us, so the first four got into a cab, and it was just leave. It was just me and the other bassist and a couple more amps. And we got into another cab, and then the taxi driver, when we got in, he was like, "Oh, you play music? You, you played like in Malaysia, and now you come back. You know, uh, you all should. You know, everyone likes to play in England. Everyone likes to play in America. You know where you should go in uh, Untapped. You should go Australia." <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> bad, honestly bad. that was the night not bad, not that bad. made me think okay Australia is uh, wow. uh, and eventually it evolved into everything because I mean it wasn't just more like I, I was on the plane to Melbourne I was like yes taxi driver told me to go here it, it, <laughs> it was more like that sort of put the thought in my head mm, yeah. eventually it, it evolved into it nah, after I did my own research obviously yeah yeah, yeah so wow. It all started by the ironic fact that we did want to play overseas, but we got pushed back home. Yeah. 7 p.m. Make it up alone. You don't want to do it, so smart. For yourself, I mean. Now that you've done that that first gig for this new album, um, where 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 are the other shows coming up? You know, so um, it was a conscious decision that the album featured uh, collaborations from Asia, uh, also because I felt like you know I have explored Australia and I understand better what Australia can do for me, but at the same time I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I've had like some sort of passive listenership from like countries like Taiwan and Japan from my EP. So I figured like, I think it made a bit more sense to, um, you know, just be a bit more proactive with regards to these, these people. Uh, I know from day one, it's not, my, my goal is not babies and retire, you know, it's not, it's like I need to find some sort of, um, some sort of sustainability from a global audience be it whatever they may be, if they love the niche that I create. Um, so what that meant is that like, okay, cool. So I like um, a certain genre and this Japanese producer happens to invest himself in that type of sound. So, and then from Thailand, you've got a bit more of that psychedelic vibe going on. So I want a band that does something like that. And these are not like me, just like, this is what I want. It's more like these are people that I genuinely enjoyed as a listener. Then I just decided, what if they were to reply? You know? Right, so, right. Cool. Uh, that's also with the hopes that eventually, if we could start touring, uh, these would be markets that I can, I would have one foot into the market already in that sense. Mm. Because these collaborators would, 
obviously helped me. And um, they, the, the common thing that I think they all possess is some sort of like uh, cult-like status within their community. So uh, I think that also makes sense to me because I wouldn't find myself um, investing into the more uh, center-leaning fan base, mu- music fan base of these markets. I think these are the niches that I think would resonate with my music. And if I can't find the niches within lo- a local community, this is sort of a way to, to, to get that going. So, like I said, that Japanese producer who helps out on, on Seven In Home, what he does is um, he, he repurposes old VHS tapes and use them as samples in his music. And, like, oh. <laughs> and, and manage to build uh, not only just, I mean in Japan, sure, but a global audience from just that. I think yeah. that's very inspiring. Um, likewise with the Thai band, with just mixing jazz with a bit more of, uh, I mean the Neo Soul thing, sure, but mm. also balanced with sort of like the rough and looseness of something more akin to like either Motown or psychedelic rock. So, um, that was the kind of spirit that I thought I upheld, although I made beats. You know, like the philosophy is similar in that sense. There's a sense of like freeness. So there's a reason I listen to these guys because I feel like their audience would understand me too. Uh, I do hope that we'd be able to at least give give the the Hulk experience to their their fan bases or even just whomever else from these communities because they exist. That's a fact, you know? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a great attitude to have. Obviously, uh, at least in the last five years or more, I mean, the NAC has been helping artists with grants. and So we can talk a little bit about that. Sure. When I had like three demos for, for this album, I decided I, uh, me and my manager would pitch uh, for the NEC EP grant. That was something we wanted to give a shot because up till this point, everything was self-funded. And that's not to say that if I didn't get the grant, I wouldn't have continued with the album. Yeah, to be sure. honest, it was just more like, I'd like to give this a shot. And if it works, then I can put more icing in the cake. That's, mm-hmm. that's more of like, and at least like live out a bit more of the fantasies of what I want this album <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, we did that, and thankfully uh, they 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 vibed with the demos and mm-hmm. felt like uh, there's a bit of uh, of something going on here. And immediately, once that was uh, news to me, the EP became an LP. So because, like I said, now <laughs> I have more bandwidth. You know, it would have yeah. not changed. You know, the the EP would have came out regardless. There would have been right. a plan behind it. So I also know that some Singaporeans, when they don't get the grant, they just don't release something. I think mm. that's a big shame. Uh, mm. Just do it. You know, I, I, I think I've not said it, uh, uh, but I think what I've probably alluded to throughout this whole conversation is that there's a lot of DIY ethic in, in, in what I do. No, I mean, the first, the first chord to the final master is me. So... I know there are perspectives that I respect that sometimes you need a bit more objectivity throughout this process. <laughs> I get it. But back in the days of Haug or Haugang rather, 
I did it out of necessity because that's what I could afford, you know? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. The moment I got funding, it would really just really support what I already intended to do on my own. Mm. Because at this point in time, I've managed to get to a point where like myself mix have has gotten like a couple of people to like come up to me and say, oh, can you mix? Oh, can you master this? this oh, right. Oh. Okay. I think they find that it comes with a lot of, uh, of, of a specific character that they want a bit of that themselves. Mm. And I encourage that, lah, you know. Um, yep. so I, let me mess your album up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think, yes, grateful for the fact that NEC was able to appreciate the vision that I had for this album. And I hope I've um, reciprocated that respect by making this album as cohesive of a story mm. as I possibly could have made it. Lah. I personally think that with what they've managed to provide, it has definitely given me the bandwidth to make the album more profound than it could have ever been on my own. Mm. Yeah. Right, but, you, but you think that there's more they can do? What, what, if you had a wish list for more that NEC or the government can do, what would it be? I think before I answer this question, I just need to say that I come from probably limited perspective. Mm. Um, and I do hope that if someone else, even likewise for yourselves, if you do come with the additional perspective that I lack and seem that, and, and, and already recognize that there are solutions for some of the issues I might bring up, then please let me know. Because <laughs> I probably just am too ignorant to know. <laughs> Stories. I mean, you just want to see, your, just get your perspective. I mean, from okay. your from your perspective as an artist. Okay, I think it would be um, probably like let's explore just the EP grant because I think I do have like appropriate perspective with regards to this particular aspect of NEC's offerings. Hmm. I think the fact that it's it's probably a bit more rigid that it's an album release and a live performance. Um, I think the modern day musician might have a bit more fluidity with regards to what uh, an album cycle might consist of. Mm -hmm. And to hit right. hard markers, to hit hard markers like, oh, get a release show going by a certain date. And don't don't get me wrong, they've been very, very kind because of mm -hmm. COVID and all and, you know, deadlines, they were yeah. really, really fair with that. So, yeah. uh, I do feel like sometimes maybe the experience may not be as profound if a certain kind of artist is forced to do a performance, for example. I think right. if there's... I'm not, that's not to say that the money will just be spent on the album's production or the marketing, but rather if the artist can also clap the hand and come up with an alternative form of an experience where it, the album becomes the most um, fully explored, then, mm. then that's great. Um, because I think, you know, with listening behavior changing and all mm. like I'm not I don't consider myself exactly the modern listener I think for one um, albums are unfortunately not as favorable <laughs> as I hope they <laughs> can be but I think that for example is is an example of where maybe some fluidity can be yeah. managed because mm -hmm. I think like you guys said as well like some artists would just slap five songs together and call it an EP yeah and sure I guess up there at the top tier artists of the world as well. Some EPs are made that way, but mm. they are just like great. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I think that's a very fair comment because yeah. it's no it's no longer 2012, right? So yeah. maybe, you know, it needs they need to kind of maybe try to make it a bit more relevant 
for the, the generation of, of, of music artists that, that come up nowadays, right? Yeah. Maybe a bit mm. different because I think EP and album and all that, right? A lot of people are looking more at like singles and things like that. So yeah, yeah you see, like I think that's also me trying to uh, live vicariously through my peers as well because for me, I love an album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Yes, okay, I mean, yeah, okay. I would assume as well that if if there's that flexibility as well, then maybe um, let's say we got like three hip hop artists to get mm. the grant, right? And as opposed to all of them releasing like a five track EP and then a live performance, maybe one of them might have always envisioned it being sort of like a, a virtual experience. I right, a lot. yeah, um, and that could shape things up to maybe um, make them stand out a bit as a hip-hop artist. You know, let's yeah. say you're in a, a virtual space where the music can be a bit more profound mm. through that medium. Yeah. And then maybe the artist can actually like, you know, do something else for themselves as opposed to three of them coming up with the same thing, just different songs. I'm not, I'm not discrediting the fact that the different songs and their different performance energy is... Insignificant, mm-hmm. no. All of that is is definitely mm-hmm. there. But to really just set the different experiences apart, it can be a lot more dynamic. You know, like like even with what I was working with, I wanted this performance that just happened over the weekend to listeners. Uh, this was March the 12th. Um, mm. The performance was sort of a session where I, I didn't just book a cinema space because the cinema is cool, but I booked the cinema <laughs> space because I felt like the album had a visual angle. Mm. You know, it yeah. it, uh, it needed to be supported that way. Some of the songs may, may, may lend itself too much to metaphors, but that's not to discourage people from, <laughs> from making their own um, inferences on the album and I hope that through visuals with, with the visual experience then hopefully they can find some resonance as well if the album didn't do that on its own so you see like for an artist that operates on a more niche side mm. I think uh, the kind of support that they could offer that would probably allow the niche to, to come off more uh, accessible mm. or, or, or more resonant with people if that yeah. kind of flexibility can be offered, then that's great. The unfortunate thing, the unfortunate thing right now is I'm not giving an example of that because <laughs> I, I'm I'm just thinking aloud to be honest. And um, no, no, I've, it's fine. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, like I think maybe like if it can be through a form of let's say there's an artist that delves in like pure like I'm gonna try and give an example. There's an artist that tries to create music with purely modular synthesizers and it's bleeps and bloops. But if you do a yeah. live performance, that's not gonna work out to a lot of people, apart yeah. from people who already subscribe to that sound. So having it in the form of an exhibition at some public space or museum or whatnot, and the, yeah. the, the, the performance can be yeah. you know, more rooted in just outside the oral experience. Yes. Then, yeah. then that that person might might actually get more re, a, more of a better reception, you know. So yeah, yeah. It may be maybe an installation or you know something yeah. in that yeah, no. sense. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, I mean that that's also also one of those things which I I find like, like music doesn't you know it's music doesn't always just have to be oh it's just music and music alone. 
like I think just to quote another example now that I think about it, like um the artist Aphex Twin, he, mm. he he delves a lot into just pushing electronic music. And I remember he did one album, one EP called Cheetah. And oh, yes. what, it, what it essentially was, was he took the most complicated keyboard and he decided to write an EP exclusively with that synthesizer. Mm. And when it came out, all he did was he put that particular keyboard in a glass, um, in like a glass fixture and sort of like an exhibition. And people who were curious enough about the album, they just go and look at how this synthesizer look, which wasn't a keyboard. It had a lot of yeah. diving components to it. So it gave context to the album that's not going to come through if he played a DJ set. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that's an example of more fluidity, I guess. I'm out of ride, I fancy My fantasy It's funny how Like uh, when when, when uh, Kevin told me that you're gonna do the the gig at at uh, project projector, right? That was yeah. I mean, I don't know if many listeners also know this, but back in the back in the so-called golden era of Singapore, right, <laughs> in the '60s, right, right. Um, cinemas were used as uh, performance spaces for bands. Yeah. Wow. And so you get the quest coming in. Here's the best part. They are, you know, how we always have like the trailers and stuff before a movie. Now, yeah. Um, the band would be the trailer, so the band would come in, do a half an hour set. And then you get to watch James Bond or, or whatever wow. it is, Double Seven. Really? Yeah. 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 That's why that's why he told us that, wow, that's quite interesting that like, he wants to do it. Then it's like almost like a harkening back to, oh. to the old days where bands were using cinemas as their venues for gigs. You know what I mean? Wow. No, this is all news to me. I mean, like, I'm, oh, not gonna, oh. I'm not going to act and say like, oh yeah, I knew that all along. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but once again, I think as you both probably understand by now, this is valuable information for me because mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to just ignore context like this. I think, right. like, to, to, to just emphasize that point, like, um, my the fact that I wanted to uh, mix the album on tape as opposed to using a plug-in of tape, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's like that experiential thing where, like, in Melbourne, I had to play to bikers before I learned to do it right. There's a sort of uh, wisdom, I, I guess, you can learn through just looking back beyond the conveniences of today and understanding how things got to how they are. And hopefully that can impart some sort of like um, appreciation or rather some sort of discipline. I mean, now I'm still working through the convenience of tracking all of it in a DAW and then sending to tape. Last time, that's not the case. Last time, you yeah. track immediately to tape. So, yes, if yes, I yes. did it wrong the first take, I'd either be like making the tape a lot less better in quality or I need to buy yeah. new tape. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, these are things. As well as the machine always dying, like I had to, <laughs> I had to get a second machine to complete the album. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, and like it costs a lot. So all of these are things like that I think could be really useful perspective because it, it you know, uh, sorry, from an analogy, I'm going to jump into another analogy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think of photography, right? When you have a right. uh, film, yep. you got 36 frames to get it right. Yeah. Not, you can't spray and pray, you know, you can't yeah. like, I'll get it. Uh, one of the 200 will work, you know? Um, the fact that Every roll comes back and you're like, I screwed up five shots. I'd sit with it 
and see what I got wrong here. So the next role can come back with less issues, you know? So the fact that there's a monetary aspect to it is a good motivator to be more diligent, you know? Like, which is why, like, I won't sit on information like what you've just brought to me, you know? Like, I mean, the fact that I didn't know I performed in uh, something that, you know, sort of calls back to the heyday of, of uh, the local performance in the form of a cinema performance. But it's useful because I'd like to know that in retrospect, there is value there. You know, like, um, it's fun to, to see these things, you know. Like, yeah. And some people, you know, the playhead, you know, when you're on a DAW, your playhead, the thing that moves. Why is it called playhead? Because that's the magnet on the tape machine. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, or a full frame sensor on a camera. It's a full frame of 35. Yeah. Film. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm going to put you on the spot again. All sure. Right? You come across as being very honest with yourself about what you can do, what you need to learn, uh, you know, and your shortcomings and stuff. Are you your harshest critic? And if so, right, then what would you say is like the best thing or, or the worst thing about Hulk right now? Wow. Okay. So I think the fact that I'm always ready to, to take in um, perspectives, but not be too naive with it where everyone tells me, oh, you should jump and I'll jump, you know, how high? I won't, I won't be that <laughs> Yeah, naive. of course. <laughs> but like, uh, it's good to, to listen to what people have to say so you can sort of work to the limitations that you have. Like, you know, let's say right now in COVID, I can't, I can't get my music to a, a market that would immediately jump on whatever I'm making. Mm. Um, what can I do? I guess I can, instead of like just saying like, oh, I can't I'll wait until the gates open up. I guess we have the internet. Let's see what I can do. I'll explore like online communities and Bandcamp, which, which fortunately enough, I've managed to, to do. And, um, there's random people from New Zealand or the US or uh, no, Belgium even that mm. like, like say like, look, love the fact that you did that and use that particular keyboard. Like, wow, <laughs> like yeah. this is not information <laughs> I get at Tempinis, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I think the fact that I can't, you know, that at the back, there's still that, that motivator in the form of the pressure that I can't sit down and just let it all happen. That is a stressor for sure. But at the same time, it's a good motivator. So I think of your question as more of like a, 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 a double-edged sword. So like um, being a very harsh critic of myself, which I am, is also from the place of having very high aspirations, I guess, for this. It's ironic, right? Like I think you'd find someone out there who, who would like want to just do baby eats with something a lot more listenable. But then here I am like with wanting to sound like a seal album and <laughs> wanting to do so much, you know? So like, uh, I think w the implication from that is sort of, I wouldn't say the confidence because trust me, that's not there every day. It's, it's, <laughs> it's more of like the focus rather. The focus mm -hmm. of this is really what I want and it's not, and there's no real room for, there is room for argument, I just said it, but like, yeah. But yeah. like, you know, to a certain point, you know, to right. a certain point. Because at the same time, like, if all I'm left with if is Singapore for the next couple of months, for example, then right. what can I do to find a nice compromise where I'm still very happy with myself, but able to get Singaporeans on board as well, you know? Right. That's yep. not something I would ignore. Yeah. So, yeah. 
here's another thing. I mean, you you talked about your spinal tap moments. Uh, yep. you, you, see, at least the thing is you haven't been put second on the bill to a puppet show at the moment. Um, so that's always <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> um, but have... oh, oh, but I've I've had an equivalent to that anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, this is what it's all about, man. You want to um, hear that kind of stuff. So, like, like I remember there was this uh, barber shop that was like cool adjacent, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> cool. Okay. And like, um, they were gonna put up a little thing uh, where they're gonna do sort of a runway thing, get models to wear clothing uh. that were made by people that they knew, and they were gonna get like. At that point in time, it was me as well as two rappers which have um, gone on to become big names. And my job for the night was really to like just get... At that point in time, I only had a collection of demos, but one of it I released as a single. It's essentially my first single. It's called The Seas I See. Right. And they told yes. me to play that song on an infinite loop while all the models like came out and... You know, at first, like, sure, gig opportunity, you know, people are going to immerse themselves to this. But I just felt like some sort of like random glorified playback dude that was <laughs> that was like selling my soft my songs short you know like yeah my songs had more value than just being some like loungy vibe that worked to whatever yeah. you for <laughs> i mean these things inform who i am you know like when other people come up with a request that let's do a collab on stage you know i have this so and so doing this thing do you what do you what, what can you do to complement it i was like well i guess if i'm gonna compliment it you gotta give me time for me you know I, i'm not gonna right. work with less you know like yeah i'll give you what's required but give me enough time on stage to tell my story you know yeah yeah but if it wasn't for the puppet show then i would have known you <laughs> know? <laughs> Yeah, but that, that's another Beatles <laughs> reference Beatles <laughs> reference in Hamburg where they played for striptease Right, right. Yeah, that's right. 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 They, yeah. Play, they play the music for a striptease. You know, if somebody came up to you then, I mean, like, like after, like maybe, maybe somebody who saw the show, uh, and then they were like, oh my God, I'm so inspired right now. This guy. You know, if he can do it, so can I, right? So, right. what what kind of advice would you give this this uh this uh aspiring muso? First of all, if you are out there, do not hesitate to reach out. I think <laughs> a lot of people think it's embarrassing or or it's um weird to do it. I think yeah, it is a big loss on their part because you can you can only you don't lose anything, you know, yeah. in reaching yeah. out. You can only gain, yeah. you know. So like, reach out. I think it will be very heartening to know that there are people who have been inspired by my story. I think on a very selfish level, it gives me a bit more justification <laughs> as to what I'm doing. Yeah, that's important. That's important. Fuel, yeah. fuel. Yeah, 100%. And, but like also, I th I'd like to think that my experiences can help give someone a shorter path towards whatever they're, mm. they're, they're striving towards. Mm. Because like, I did not really have a mentor when it came to like the decision makings that I had to go through. Um, right. Otherwise, this album wouldn't exist. <laughs> and 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 I think you know it's some people would like you know just ask a one hard question. 
what did you learn or rather and and it's not a bad question it's just more like it's very hard to go into specifics and explain to you what something was to me if it isn't as direct because like if you if someone comes up to me and it's like look man i've been so inspired by your sound uh, how do you like um how do you grow long hair for example and if something so pointed then my advice to you will be less vague i think they'll ask something just too generic and it won't serve them you know like i think more pointed yeah. questions i think this is something i hope that they they can hear cuz like i think more pointed questions can really do someone more justice once again not to sound too abstract um for myself before i finished this album and i decided okay tape machine and it is not it's not really like uh oh i opened the fridge glass of water it's not that straightforward i you all know you all know uh <laughs> i had to ask contemporary indie artists in the us that were doing this sort of production techniques and i had to find out who their mixing engineer is and like just find them on instagram and like ask them like what how do you do it and more often than not you'll find an answer that's very reassuring they be like oh i just push i push it into the red you know like it wasn't like something like oh you need to get make sure the magnets are like demagnetized no it's no no you, you can't you only need to use like the 456 tape no it's just bump it up let god do its thing <laughs> you know like yeah. and and it's comforting because then you decide if you want to be a bit more precise mm. even if you don't it's not a failure there are living examples that released music like that and mm. so much so that you're inspired by it and i think to someone who doesn't have that that sort of experience in their pocket and hearing the answers from their inspirations that it wasn't that complicated after all it can be a good motivator as well you know yeah. but you won't know till you ask you know that's yep. true <laughs> but yeah but i mean okay like, we don't want to take up too much of your time no thank so, you for having me but but thanks thanks very much for for agreeing to come on to this pod you know it's fun i really thanks. have fun thanks our, so our much. niche our niche audience thanks you <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah no like like um Thank you really like I think like like I said you know like the fact that the experience behind the album is not restricted to just listening to the album or coming to the show mm. conversations like this add a lot more character to the album and the artist which is why yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity thank you so much no 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 thank thanks very much thank you. and thanks. Uh, and uh, for those listening in yes all all six of you um <laughs> Where where can people find you? How what what what? How are they gonna How are they gonna you know? Apart from the general Google search, is there something where they can just go straight away and and get your so, stuff? So um uh right now I think on social media it's either How Official for most platforms. I think on Twitter it's How Gang GRC. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, classic. You mean that's not taken? <laughs> we are not a GRC. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, you're not GRC. That's why. Oh, okay, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, that's SMC. funny then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think anywhere else, just give Hulk a a search on YouTube as well, and you'll find a lot of visuals. Yes, yes, mm. a lot of videos. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I encourage everyone to give it a shot, and you know, you never know what you'll get out of it. Okay. 
Okay. Yep. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Do do give his uh, new album, uh, "The Biting Tempo," yep. a listen. You can find it, yeah, everywhere. That Spotify. Definitely. You know, you can get the the singles on on YouTube as well and all that. And that's Haug for you. Haug. And Haug, Haug. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, you know, a great, great, great discovery for us, for me anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, for me too. Thanks a lot, Kevin, yeah. for, for and, introducing. And yeah. even more uh, interesting and. A, what a pleasant surprise to find out that he can, you know, he can nerd up together so well. So that, that was a you can yeah. tell you he so, has it. Yeah, he knows he's got he's everything. About. Like, he's got a charms. He's got a right attitude. So yeah, yeah. So definitely, you know, we want to encourage everybody who listens to this to definitely uh, check Haug out. Right? Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. So so that's it for us from us for today. Do the usual thing. I don't want to say any more. Tired already. So, hey, no, 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 Masih, Masih. New people don't you know. know the routine. The new people. You know the routine. Come on. <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Mm. Yep. You know what to do. Ciao. Yep. See ya.